0: In Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Seren from Zuma Radio, AM 740.
1: And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Jared Murphy is one fascinating fellow. He's a self-experimenter and field researcher of ancient technologies and lost history. And uh, Gerald has traveled the world searching for evidence of advanced ancestors and high technology. And he's here for the full two hours. Before we get to Jared, a few programming notes. My show last week, in case you didn't notice, with uh, Joseph Farrell, has been taken down from YouTube for violating their rules, re-COVID, uh, spread medi- spreading medical misinformation, yada, yada, yada. So I am in YouTube prison for one week, which I think expires on Tuesday. I've been a very bad boy. Uh, as a result, I can't post anything to YouTube right now. Obviously, that means there is no YouTube live stream tonight. But we are recording tonight's program with Jared. Uh, no danger of violating any COVID rules as we discuss evidence of advanced ancient human civilization. And this program will be posted on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, probably around Tuesday, Ryan tells me. Uh, I think the one-week YouTube prison sentence will be over by then. Uh, in the meantime, uh, that Joseph Farrell show from last week, oh man, it was good. Too good, maybe. It's, uh, it's been posted up on my channel on Rumble So just go to Rumble.com and search under Channels. That's important. I think there's a drop-down menu, Ryan tells me, and you can search under Channels for Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And eventually, I suspect we'll have to move everything over to Rumble. Uh, We're not in a position to live stream on Rumble yet, but that may change in the not-too-distant future. Again, go to Rumble.com, search under Channels, for richard Serrett's strange planet again not live streaming tonight but ryan my live stream producer is here recording tonight's program to post early this coming week carlos kajina of course is the technical producer and uh one final note i hope you can or two actually i hope you can i hope you can join me uh weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 p.m on the richard Serrett show on Saga 960 AM, Saga 960 AM. You should be able to pull this in on your radio, your car radio in the greater Toronto area, west of Mississauga even. Uh, Or if not, you can stream it live at Saga960AM.ca. And Saga is spelled Saga, as in Mississauga, S-A-U-G-A, S-A-U-G-A, Saga960AM.ca. Okay, now how is this for a captivating book title? It's not aliens, worse, it's us discovering our lost history. And in it, Jared Murphy details his search for ancient and advanced technologies. And the evidences from the historical record, legends and myths are shouting that it wasn't aliens. That the advanced technologies are echoes of a human society We do not have a written record of we have the remnants of their buildings genes and the sciences that point to a highly advanced human race that survived multiple catastrophes and to this day may live among us human bones have been found back millions of years alongside the homo erectus and other primitive humans many revelations of high technology have been uncovered by independent researchers all over the earth Anomalies in the historical record, out-of-place, out-of-time artifacts, are labeled as mysteries or one-offs, yet show signs of advanced sciences and intelligence. Ancient maps showing lands that were not yet supposed to have been known, let alone covered deep in ice for thousands of years before human civilization. The case is evaporating the timeline given for modern man being here for only three or four hundred years thousand years all right sit back and enjoy we'll open up the phone lines for questions and comments in the second hour and uh, a great delight to welcome back Jared Murphy Jared how are you oh, I'm doing really good I appreciate you having me on over the weekend this is great my pleasure my pleasure and thanks for joining our stream here good to see you so yeah when you started out on this journey I was fascinated to learn you actually were were researching a, a a work of science fiction, right? You something yeah. about a plan to reanimate the world's oldest mummies? That's an interesting copy. And I'm a, I mean, I, I, I mean yeah. a concept. I would have read that.
2: You know what's so funny is that I've had enough people. I didn't try to pitch it, but the reality is there's enough people who want to read the fiction. They're like, why Why don't you finish that? <laughs> and now, now that the Russians, uh, Ancient Origins had that article out that. They literally, the Defense Minister of Russia wants to reanimate scathing three thousand year old warriors and their horses. and And I'm like, you can't make this up. they They actually want to reanimate three thousand year old dead warriors. It's like night at the museum, uh, yeah it, literally. and And I thought it would be a fiction because once reanimated, I've been fascinated by quantum mechanics, collective human memory. And the idea was, well, they would—they wouldn't have clear memories, and so they would uh, slowly but surely remember. Oh, you know what? I remember I was at the city and had this really advanced fill-in-the-blank, and that they would have handlers. And the idea was these reanimated mummies would, or these reanimated peoples would, uh, be able to touch back further, even in their stories and legends, in flashes to uh, ancient, advanced human technology that was here on the planet. That was the concept.
1: Right, right. And these, the oldest mummies known, are they the Paracas mummies?
2: Yeah, so there's a little bit of a running, um, uh, yes, yeah, so they're, they're naturally preserved uh, for the most part, and so we're looking at at least 9,000 years old. But then we did find some mummies that are red-headed, gingered, really tall people in Mongolia, and they kind of kick back there too. But the Paracas appear overall, appeared the, the oldest preserved mummies on Earth, and despite mainstream academia being aware of them for years and years and years, it's almost like the giant, white, pink, giant, winged elephant Mm -hmm. in the room where you have a group of people they do not have the same suture lines as the human skull. These are the elongated skulls, uh, just for people not
1: familiar with the Paracas skulls of
2: Peru. Yep, and so these people anatomically don't look, they're human, but they don't look like us. So we have a column of Here's an elongated-skulled human that looks very alien. When you, if you go and internet search the skull while we're speaking, the practice. but then they don't have the same suture line. Their neck doesn't go into the same place. Our, our, our skull, you know, it attaches to the middle of our spine. Then, uh, what's more interesting is that a lot of the skulls have their hair and they're redheaded, and they're red-bearded, and they're again, not supposed to be in South America. Everyone is supposed to have one genome trail. They're all supposed to be, of course, from some magical land bridge around the younger Dryas, and that they're supposed to be black-haired, and they're not supposed to have beards. And you have red-headed, elongated skull, missing suture line, different arterial dissections. And simultaneously, uh, modern... uh, academia has a list of we think between 50 now this is what they're willing to say publicly right the the, the it's now in written articles and out there very currently that there are at least a 14 percent mystery genetic connection to humanity about 50 to sixty thousand years ago uh, some variant that we don't know of the human race definitely along with definitely Denisovan. event and mm-hmm. Neanderthal, they all bred together after some cataclysmic and or you know, because we're post 75,000 year old super volcano. We have, a, and they're willing to say 50, 60,000 years ago, Denisiovan, Neanderthal, mystery 14% human all bred together. And are the, is it a mystery 14%? Is it the elongated skull people? And not a single academic institution that calls themselves higher education has done the DNA testing. Brian Forrester is the only one who's scratched at it. Right. That's okay, it. so, and this
1: sort of dovetails, well, it leads really into your into your book. Yeah. Uh, it's not aliens, it's us, because uh, Lynn Marzulli, uh, you know, I consider him a friend. He uh, I've known him for many years, and, and he is convinced that these are... Um, well, not alien, he's talking about, you know, these are ne- Nephilim, right? Or, or descendants of the Nephilim, that these are not human. That uh, the the, the, the uh, mitochondrial DNA, I guess, would be human, female. But the nuclear DNA, that's the big mystery, right?
2: Yeah, there's a, a bit of a debate where the, we've all been, I, based on my age range, I've been programmed by Leonard Nimoy's In Search Of. Sure, and, yeah. So for me, it is very hard to eliminate the mindset of, okay, yeah, everyone was banging rocks and in claws, but they built super complex polygonal rocks and that's it. There was no finished materials. There was no finished layers. It was just big rocks. And then they were back to being very primitive. And so then the only answer is aliens or spaceships or something, because you can't have an Apple store you know, an Android, you can't have a fancy smartphone, you know, so many tens of thousands of years ago, but we have giant constructions that are clearly showing signs that they could manage earthquakes, waves, frequencies, but we don't look at it like that. So the first thing we do in our history, the way I was raised, is we look back to what we've been learning. And what I learned was I was an Irish Catholic. You know, I I have very much ingrained a Western philosophy of, of, of religion. And what happens is, is uh, then we hear about a couple very important people in our in our alternative world. There are two very important people. I think Zachariah Sitchin, and you have Eric Von Danigan. Mm. And the problem, and I've done personally on NotAliens.com. I've done uh, shows with my co-author on my next couple of books, uh, Jennifer Deo, the archaeologist. I've tried to debunk and try to explain to people that uh, Zachariah, I'm not. I'm not going to say he lied. I'm just going to tell you that he tried to decipher and interpret. Cylinder seals. He has no provenance of the. There's no documentation. He literally wrote a whole bunch of stuff about the Sumerian Anunnaki. He literally made it all up, and no one could check. No one had Google. No one had the internet. You know, it wasn't something you could go check. So those cuneiforms.
1: Those cuneiforms are in the basement in the London Museum, right?
2: Well, there are many actually. uh, So I'm in Minnesota, and we have one of the largest collections of cuneiform tablets. Many are un. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, many are untranslated In fact, there are databases you can get online And you can actually start participating You know, and some things are really boring They're just like this governor or mayor saying Oh, thank you so much, you're a great king Or some things are detailed lists of transactions You know, so we're winging it on, Where there are millions of untranslated tablets And a lot of the tablets Like, so the ones you're talking about And the ones that Zechariah used A lot of them are uh, Syrian They're, Or Babylonian and they're it's, they're from like collector libraries in the day, which they're still very old. But what you have is this very very hard. What I'm tying it into is this very hard concept of, well, we have this Western idea of religion, and then if we go back further, it's very hard for us to accept that a lot of our concepts of Christianity are based in Sumerian, and then in the Sumerian stories of the Anunnaki, there is a true statement. There are these gods, they're called the Anunnaki. The only factual thing that we know of the Anunnaki is that they humans were helpers, they were not slaves, they were not reprogrammed, That that's all Sitchin making stuff up. So that part is true. That part is not my opinion. That's the actual research. Sitchin makes up a bunch of stuff about the Anunnaki and fortunately ends up in the alternative world's vernacular that, oh, the Anunnaki did this and they needed gold and they did this. There, there, right, there isn't. Right. Yeah. So the problem then is that we have this concept, this lineal path from rock-banging alien-assisted uh, humans. It's a whole nother game plan when you start connecting the dots. If you just take it as a giant game of uh, archaeological clue and instead of tabling theories and start tabling the facts, we have weird genetic abilities like synesthesias. We have all these weird polygonal stone spheres and polygonal constructions that we Sorry, we've sorry about. Jared.
1: What is thinis- synesthesia? Is that where oh, you still... see colors and you, if There's... you see colors, you have a certain, you smell
2: or you yeah. visualize them differently? Yeah. And you have, it affects all five senses. So some people can watch like two people from a distance, like shake hands or, or hug each other. And they can feel what those two people are doing. Uh, some there it's been studied by carl jung it was studied by the greeks uh the current estimate is that 22 to 26 ish plus percent have these abilities some people see um in their mind's eye and they describe that in front of them outside of their body they're looking at like a canvas and lights and it's like fireworks they describe uh, what they see when either it has to do with smell or geometry or numbers and Uh, You know, we chalk up that and six fingers, six toes, gigantism, the races to just a natural evolution. And I have a feeling that there is, based on the evidences, that these abilities were part of uh, a more uh, conscious human race that would be able to, for instance, pop on a set of headphones and their favorite music instead of a diagram where they're looking at an architectural drawing. They see a giant 800-ton stone in front of them that with impunity they can shape to every side any way they want. But instead of seeing a measurement, they see color. And within that color, they have the appropriate technological equipment to shape, sand, change that block to fit to the next block because projected onto the block are colors and they just sand away the color that doesn't match. They just um, continue to shape based on what's being projected for them within a much more complex system, then that's just like a, an advanced stretch idea of how advanced were we? Because right. So these are, I, these are our ancestors poking
1: through uh, from time to time in a a small segment of the
2: population. So we're seeing the genetic remnants, I think, of what was left of a society that based on not one, not the younger... So we're just getting our head around the younger driest, but that uh, maybe... Pre-supervolcano, seventy-five thousand years ago, and to the younger Dryas, between eleven and thirteen thousand, we have a uh, a, a de-evolution, and that a number of very advanced humans, but maybe only a few hundred or maybe a few thousand, uh, they made it into these rock-cut ruins that Eric von Danigan has investigated, that Buzz Aldrin went to, that they are found in places. There's many military, and I know you and I have talked about it. There are rock-cut ruins that appear to be large either storage rooms, storage houses, even Petra, Jordan, you have 320,000 cubic foot rooms that were cut and the idea was a portion of the society made it into uh shelters and whether it was 10 days, 100 years or longer They made it, but they weren't the people like if you think of a cruise ship and not everyone on the cruise ship knows how to program cell phones or program computers or uh, smelt metal, but they know how to work with metal. They know how to work as a machinist, but or they're a mechanic, but they're not a machinist. There's you know, I I know where to put the gas, but I'm not I don't know how to refine gasoline. I think of a society that wasn't prepared for a global disaster and or a weaponized one. The remnants of that, for them to crawl back, would be echoing through even into the Younger Dryas, where you have what was once. We know it's a worldwide culture because they have polygonal construction on every continent. We have engineered ancient soil that you and I have talked right. about. And we will get continent. into that.
1: We'll, we'll be, yep. We're coming up on a break in about three minutes, just to give you a time check here. So cool. uh, we'll, we'll talk about the um, poly- polygonal construction, engineered yeah. soil.
2: Yeah, so to give everybody an idea, you have a very advanced group of humans that simultaneously, just like us today, live alongside 150 tribes, currently, it's about 150, 106 tribes, like the Sengalis, that if we all went away in 100 years, uh, there could be very primitive-looking tools, and maybe some of our advanced stuff would be left, but... Over thousands of years, it would disappear. So, we have a very advanced group of humans that built a global society that disappeared, then had to rebuild. And right now, we keep experiencing all these UFOs. It's very exciting because, well, they must be from somewhere else. But the very idea that our fellow ancient great, 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 great times 100 grandparents aren't helping us or they tried, and that these UFOs or these unidentified, whatever we want to trendingly call them now, not in search of. We're talking about a very advanced group of human race that never left the planet. They may they leave, but they still call this home, and they can clearly outrun us. If any of us have seen the F twenty two Tic Tac video, and right. it's not an issue. Right, right. That's and hence the title.
1: It's not aliens. It's us. Uh, it they are our um, our ancestors, I guess, that are piloting these uh, these crafts. You must be real popular with the uh, ancient alien crowd. <laughs> uh, you,
2: you, well, and so here's the problem, you know, full circle if we have, I know we got a few seconds, but the Anunnaki stories really confuse things because that's all post-Diluvian stories. So when we put that, when we mesh that onto the, what we're trying to discern, you know, people find, Michael Cremo said it best, uh, archaeologists and everyone who's look, digging in the dirt, they find what they're looking for. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. So, yeah, and that's a problem. It's problematic, and it's good. But now we have nanoarchaeology and DNA, nuclear DNA testing. That's a that's a big subject that we'll have to. We have a whole two hours to cover. We do. Oh no,
1: uh Well, an hour and a half now. Yeah, just we have about a minute and a half here. Let me just ask you this: Like seriously, when I was talking about you know the ancient alien crowd, I mean it has become, and I. I, I don't want to. I'm not being pejorative here. I'm not trying to say this in a pejorative way, but it has become almost like a religion for them. I mean, they have so much invested in this yeah. that we are star star seeds, and 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 so oh, forth. Oh yeah. How I mean, some... how do they react to you?
2: You know, they, I've, you know I've, who I've, I mean. I've been able to meet. I think you know David Hatcher Childress was very positive. Uh, you know Olaf Phillips, uh, my original publisher, was very positive. Um, I think it's the issue. It lives, It you know, I'm on a number of different shows, so it's not that there can't be aliens where I think it lives well. is you and I and a lot of people out there are truth-seeking and everyone has to be ready to be wrong. Archaeologists need to be paid to not find what they're supposed to find. And we need to all be willing to look at the facts on the table and they're uncomfortable because they're not the stories you're telling yourself and we really gotta, we really gotta put this Sitchin thing to rest. And, it's the Nephilim. the The stories that come from Sitchin are so twisted. They're they're just not based in any. That like just find the provenance. Find any of the cuneiform actual stories that he used. He didn't use stories. He used cylinder seals. He he interpreted basically like it's interpreting the pictures of the change on your wallet in your in your in your, in your pocket. Like just you have, you have pictures and it's a cylinder seal and you just made up a whole story. And there's there's no there's just none of it exists in reality. And so it's really twisted and morphed the the eyes that you put on the finds that you have. And it and if we add up just the human abilities like the genetic, the synesthesias, the the conscious control of your immune system, like the Wim Hof, Steak Severinson, Breathology. We'll get it to that too Jared, I gotta jump in here. We'll take a timeout,
1: come back. Jared Murphy. It's not aliens, it's us discovering our lost history with us for the, uh, for the duration, folks. You can get on board in the second hour with questions and
0: comments. Back with more. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio.
1: Jared Murphy stays with us. It's not aliens; worse, it's us discovering our lost history. Um, we were talking about. You mentioned Wim Hof, and and uh, you know the Iceman. We've had him yep. on the program. This he can he can uh, he's he's run marathons in the Arctic barefoot. Uh, he'll swim hundreds of yards under under uh, water in the uh, in the Arctic. Uh, can you know, withstand hours and hours of uh, freezing temperatures, no, you know, doesn't suffer from hypothermia. So, w- you know, what has he unlocked? What is, because um, it kind of leads us into this discussion about uh, junk DNA, or I guess the more, yeah. I guess it's non-coding DNA, which is about what? ninety-eight and a half percent of our human genetic material, right? It doesn't produce proteins. Yeah. So what is it all about?
2: What Thousands. does it do? uh, Yeah. And it's, And it's, yeah, I think to your point, uh, uh, you know, even coming in from the break about people, I think everyone who's, like you said, there's a very big vernacular out there that it's aliens. And I do think that we should, um, it's okay to say that. I think it's important that as we look at the facts, particularly these facts about junk DNA, about these uh, incredible abilities. I mean, there was just another story. I, I frequently will just generally say somebody lifted a car off of someone. There was just a Daily Mail story about up uh, an officer that lifted a vehicle that was crushing a woman. And we have these superhuman abilities, and they're being reactivated. Uh, um, it's 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 not like can he withstand 20 below zero for a marathon or climb Mount Everest in shorts. It's uh, the inflammatory response, and it's also, um, you know, conscious control during um, uh, being attacked by a particular disease or something. I mean, there's uh, these abilities that aren't taken on their own. It's like, oh, that's a neat feat. And then as we unpack DNA, it it took us 28 years, and we go, oh, we have we have a we have a double helix. You know, we have this DNA structure to the system. Oh, oh, uh, when they're splitting, sometimes there's a quad helix. Well, that took another 20-something years. And now it's, oh, we have this junk DNA. Now, let's hold on a minute. That's kind of like taking apart the engine to a car, and you end up with a lot of extra bolts, and you're like, oh, we don't need those. (laughs)
1: Yeah, 98.5% left over.
2: Right? And so... The, the hubris it takes meanwhile i've been able to meet some brilliant neurosurgeons that they they're very honest they're very humble in the sense that they're like hey we we know this much you know like they'll hold up a pinky and they'll say we know this much about the human brain and so it blows my mind when you say okay this is a junk gene uh okay however we have echoing truths like the symbol for ohm uh, in pattern, like we synest, uh, uh, cymatics, like Hans right, Jenny right. cymatics, right? Yeah. So, so when we started figuring out the patterns to frequencies and sounds and seeing them on plates that were vibrating with sand or uh, just anything on them that would they would create patterns and here's this ancient symbol three thousand year old symbol of om and it's actually the symbol of om so that along with what you mentioned at the very beginning in the in the initial opening about maps they all tend to point to more advanced time so what else does well religion and in this particular case i was going to touch on reincarnation if you have uh the idea if you have a uh collective conscious 90 to 100 percent conscious human being not not 20 percent not 15 percent not the 10 to 15 percent they say we're at but if you have a fully conscious human being that's connected to piezoelectric charged uh, uh electron changing uh engineered soil to buildings to animals to uh, having an indefinite lifespan based on a million different religions But in this particular case, in reincarnation, maybe the sliver of truth, just to throw it out for everyone to think about, what if the sliver of truth is the idea of, uh, which we've done in Harvard, and I do discuss this in the book, which is they wrote a 55,000-word book on RNA. They used RNAs as ones and zeros, and they can now store over a terabyte of information on a gram of DNA. Essentially, everything humans know could be stored on two elephants, and they could still be elephants. They could you know, go eat and be hungry and be elephants, but they would store all the knowledge known to man. So what if collectively you and I are having this conversation and, you know, we get hit by that super meteor 2022 and, but what if it just hits our two spots? And what if collectively the idea of reincarnation is, oh, well, you might come back as a plant or you might come back as why, or, or, or a smaller animal or not a human or blah, blah, blah. Well, what if the truth of it is, is that we know there's a magnetic aura around us. We know that there's an etheric, an astral body, not, not even woo-woo. These are, these are facts. The actual vibrational medicine is a real thing. So what we're dealing with, with a number of scientists all over the world studying this extensively, what if your physical body could be damaged, destroyed, and in reality, the zip files that contain everything to rebuild you just flashes into the nearest living things? or flashes into the collective consciousness. So this junk DNA, we think, oh, it could unlock superhuman abilities, and it's all about me, but or it's all about uh, uh, consciously being able to connect to that collective consciousness. But hold on, we have all these true slivers of truth. What if the one in reincarnation is simply that, hey, as you are a pragmatic scientific mind and you're looking at this in quotes junk dna as you didn't even know there was a quad helix let alone a double helix let alone well dna now as we're progressing into this nano world and nano factories that are atoms in size maybe we might want to take some respect towards eastern and western mythos um, that come in the last six thousand years and just very carefully go okay what if it is on the world of vibrational medicine and the very serious scientific world of vibrational medicine what if the capstone is collective human backup and one of the weird indicators that no one talks about is again there's ancient i know we're going to get into it but there's ancient engineered soil all over the earth and it indicates to me not just that they could grow food for a larger population but based on polygonal construction and stone sphere a, a number of architectural elements down to the soil itself and not just for growing but for communication and for earthquake mitigation fill in the blank a number of things we're talking about a global society that would very easily have achieved a level of connection where maybe collective backup was a reality and that that that's i know that that's I know we're having a speculative conversation, but the idea of junk DNA, just there's one idea of why you should not be so quick or or just assume, like, we don't even know what they do, but just to assume that your eyes turn red if you hit the right switch or the right combo. And yet we have, even in quantum sciences and astrophysics, when we have, really, I mean, beyond the spectrum of just general Max Planck quantum mechanics uh, science that we're, We're talking about absolute, uh, more conscious control of the human uh, being, not just the physical body, and I think the remnants in that are ghosting. In our DNA where people frequently have paranormal experiences, they have a genetic memory where they, what they'll say is, they don't call it a genetic memory. They'll say, this place feels weird and scary, or I think I was Cleopatra. You know, you never bill the zookeeper from Roman times, you know. Sometimes right, right. people are bill. But at the end of the day, are you tapping into your memory or are you one of the unique people? This is the best part is that we have to respect everyone's uh uh, where they come from, whether they want to say it's aliens or whether they want to say it's paranormal or whether they want to say it's a, this esoteric, uh, they're very, you You know, we might call them super hippie and woo-woo and crystal-y and they're really into their feelings and we might be a little uh, dismissive. The truth is, is that every human's mechanics and their family of origin story, they might be connecting to these higher powers and they're calling it what they understand, but... The reality is, is that they may have reactivated and have a a listening, a genetic activated listening device, and they they are connecting with an ability that they're describing it as a little woo woo for me. But the reality is, they they actually do recall someone else's memory. They do connect to that collective human consciousness, and they are doing it in a way that they're calling it something that I wouldn't identify as. But we're we're instead of dismissing the process that they're. Their, their process of meditation, their process of eat, whatever it is, for them to get to that state where they say, this is how this connection's done, let's look at the states, let's look at the connections. Again, let's just table the facts with all the human abilities and look at how super this society really was, right down to Wim Hof abilities, or Stieg, right, who right. sat on one breath for 22 minutes. In right. a, I'm seeking a, of, a um, Rupert Sheldrake and the sense of being stared
1: at so abilities like that
2: yeah yeah uh, all those
1: things that ran the amazing Randy used to say I'll give you a million dollars if you can prove you know that the paranormal uh anything paranormal is happening here uh, right all of that you're saying is is perhaps uh uh, is is I don't know a, a cellular memory or or is is part of this
2: non-coding DNA that we it's it's buried in all of us. We all have that right. And sometimes uh, there's an emergency, like suddenly there's this officer lifting or a, or a woman lifting a car off that she could never lift, and she's lifting a car to get her kids out of a uh, a wreck. Or you have Wim Hof uh, again swimming underwater at twenty below zero or running barefoot, but reactivating abilities that we would otherwise not identify as abilities. We think well, that's a superhuman thing, or not everyone can do that. And not only maybe can we all do it, but we're we're misidentifying those abilities and oh that person's oh you know it's not paranormal there's no such thing or whatever. The the reality is that they're they they are speaking that way because that's how they identify it. That's what they learned about it. it's like you and I watching in search of it's just something they identified as the process for them to learn. Well I I can speak to the dead. Well are you are you planning? Are you are you are you doing the is it the men who stare at goats, you know, sort of movie? Is it is it just something that I call it banging on the blinky board uh, the best.
1: uh, (laughs) I'll tell you what, Jared, we're going to take a break here. But our our ancestors, our distant ancestors, man, they were something else. And uh, we have no clue who we are or what we are. Jared Murphy will be uh, back with us in mere moments. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy
0: Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio.
1: All right, uh, Jared, this is a short segment. It's about six minutes. Um, oh, sure. So I wanted to get back to uh, the the, uh, the, the Paracas skulls, if we could, the elongated uh, skulls. And uh, Sue, here in, uh, well, I'm not sure where, she emailed me anyway. Uh, Sue, thank you for this. Terrific uh, Point that she's making, she uh, she linked to an article about this uh, strange-looking artifact that was captured by the. Uh, it was a photograph taken by the Mars Curiosity rover, I think, back in 2014. And I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but it looks. I'm looking at it now online. It looks all the world like one of these Paracas skulls. And so the idea is, okay, the the elongated skulls came from you know the you know because of the gravity on Mars or something. Um, I wh- what do you what do you think about the idea that our ancestors, humanoid as they were, may have been off planet as well? Or did they yeah, have that so, kind? Did they have that kind of technology?
2: Yes, I do. I think so. And one of the things that really fascinated me, and this is gosh, it's going, it's so funny. I think we all have a vernacular now because of the last sci-fi novel that we've been in, where it's like, oh, I, I, two years ago, and what I really mean is three years ago, and. Um, the time warp here is that there is this, um, the possibility that not only would they leave, but I read an article where they're using live bacteria to create bricks that could be shaped any way you want. There's some very weird stone anomalies, not only here in the United States, but they look like honeycombs and it's like, well, how the hell was that built or how was it done naturally? And the reality is that. If you were to be a very advanced society, you would easily leave the planet. You could have easily colonized not only the moon or Mars or exo other exoplanets that Ultimately, you would have sent out like we sent out Voyager with a here's how to find us Why would they not have sent out their own and would it but would it look like I know there was a big thing? Uh, Everyone's super fascinating about that particular asteroid that was floating through the planet here I was I thought I'd look up the practice uh, picture if I could find it while we're ch- talking too. but I do think that the uh, the Possibility that not only would they have left but had colonized Again, we do have a a fossil record that's putting back antiquity of man like the Hindu Vedas for, you know, and it's not Michael Cremo's opinion. It's the paleoanthropological evidence that he quotes that was found in Forbidden Archaeology in reference to uh, anatomically correct humans, actual academic finds that show that in the course of what we've done in 100 years, could have been done a million years ago or two million years ago. It could have been multiple falls in societies where there was one that was finally global and polygonal and, you know, dealing with stone spheres. And this genetic advanced point where they left the planet, but did they come back? Did those societies separate? Did they ultimately have a conflict? And really, are we looking, are, and this is something I don't discuss, but despite my title, it's not aliens, worse, it's us. And, and it's in the middle of a revision, but is it possible that, Really, due to a choice and being able to program, that part's true, programming your DNA. Uh, we're doing designer babies now. We're talking about humans that if you don't want to look human, you don't have to look human. If you want to look like what they're calling Palladians or Reptilians or... If you're going to do zero-point turns and a tic-tac, maybe being short, gray, translucent, so you can communicate with all your infrared and control panels, frequency, wave, uh, you might not look human, but you're still human. You may have modified your bod like people do. We do it very primitively with piercings and tattoos, but they would easily be able to change it. And the signals that are sent back to Earth were like, oh, we picked up an alien signal. Why isn't that possibly a very advanced very ancient still sending signals home uh, probe or multiple probes or right, right. so yeah. what would be the what would
1: be the reason then for the elongated skull?
2: you know it's so interesting because the true and I was just talking about this with Jennifer Dale the uh, the volume of the skull, that's the thing. The people, the societies that mimicked, they pressed the skull. And the gosh knows what kind of damage. I mean, I, I know Cradle it's still boarded, right, Cradle boarded. Oh, Yeah, it is brutal. I mean, you're shaping a human skull away from its original design. The practice were born that way. And they have a volume to their brain matter that is beyond. They are much bigger brained. They're designed that way. And so we already have. And again, you know, you could be only... or 14% conscious, and or some of the neural, the synopsis is, you know, Einstein donated his brain, and when they looked at his brain, and when they looked at the synopsis where it's theorized memory is held, it looked like a forest, you know, some people look like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree in their (laughs) synopsis. So if you're a Paracus and you're fully conscious, and you're really using a brain that is two or at least a time and a half to three times the size of the human brain, fully activated with abilities that we identify. You know, we, we have these wonderful stories of Merlin and magic, yet, what, what would nanotechnology look like? What would a, a billion, trillion nanobots building something from thin air look like to anyone that was primitive? And right. so, here. Okay we we're, we're going to take a
1: time out here. Now, incidentally, I I emailed the link to you and also Ryan White, my live stream producer, if you're listening, I emailed it to you as well if you want to grab a still from there, Ryan. And um, you know, I found uh, it. insert it inserted into the uh, the stream. Uh, we can uh, we can do that and chat a, a little bit more about it, perhaps. Uh, we'll take a quick timeout, come back. Jared Murphy is uh, with us. Oh, incidentally, the YouTube uh, channel, your YouTube channel, uh, Jared, what is it?
2: Notaliens.com. Not or, Aliens. Sorry, Notaliens
1: is the YouTube channel and the website. Notaliens. All right, notaliens.com and also the YouTube site. All right, back with more of our discussion uh, with Jared. And again, we'll open up the phone lines at the top of the hour, questions and comments. All right, stay with us. Back with more.
0: You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Jared Murphy. It's not aliens,
1: worse, it's us. Discovering our lost history. So when, when people are having abduction, encounters, contact, uh... Do you believe that that they are actually they're in contact or they're being abducted by by us, right? By our by our ancestors or by the the
2: yeah. um yeah, even the greys? You know, yeah, that's the deal is that I I think that we have these you know things like the Nuremberg sighting of what looked like a conflict between aliens in the air you know ancient, like you pointed out earlier ancient aliens one of their the first things they ever did in the first seasons was to point out that that template that was made of this aerial combat thing above Nuremberg that was witnessed by you know medieval people that there seemed to be a an aerial combat uh, Wagner Wallace just wrote the Crossing the Crevasse about yep. UFOs in the Bible and and, and, and the Roman, Roman legions that were going to fight and, you know, very weird object lands between the two armies are like, yeah, let's not fight today. And there, there's this long history of what appears to be uh, a group of advanced, I think, humans that clearly did not get along with each other or they digress to the point in my opinion. But here's the problem. We don't, we don't know this. It's speculative. So when people are abducted, I, there are too many credible, uh, very non, whether, whether religious or not, there are too many people who have zero interest in aliens, UFOs, abductions, who have been abducted. There are just too many stories now. So yeah, sure. Maybe Barney Hill couldn't, care, couldn't have cared less about UFOs. Right. And that's a great, I just did that lecture at America's Stonehenge. I was just out there, uh, Salem, New Hampshire. I was, I was out there, uh, the 20th to the second I did. A, I, you know, that it's that whole thing about, we see these UFOs. And so yes, is there a large portion of military hardware that we don't understand or know for sure? Um, I was at giant rock, a couple contacts in the desert ago, and I saw definitely those triangle shaped UFOs. I don't really, t- I, it comes up, in talking, so it's not like I haven't seen bizarre aerial elements. I I got to meet Alex Hoffman and work with him and his night vision goggles that he supplies to the military. I, I got to use military grade night vision goggles. And you lay on your back, and the stuff going on in the air—it's—it's it's not explainable. These aren't moths or bats or satellites. It's not Elon Musk. You know, it's very bizarre. They're very bizarre, right? Turning, fairly busy, active. Uh, upper atmosphere things but then you have all these ufos and the question is if people are being abducted are these normal run-of-the-mill people who are like have zero interest in all this uh, are they from somewhere else or it just it makes me sick personally to think oh my gosh these are our relatives they're like they're begging antagonists like they're catching release like fish or bear and you're they're putting a tag in the ear and and why, you know, is it someone's a super advanced human's eighth grade, you know, science experiment? Are they? What's with the cattle mutilations? What's with all these bizarre? Again, is it militaries, doing crazy experiments? Right, right. Or Just because they're they're technologically
1: advanced doesn't mean they are morally, spiritually advanced
2: right and they've clearly based on eyewitness accounts uh, from Roman times on they've clearly not always gotten along with each other and it's even echoing in the Hindu Vedas it's like the gods fought and things look like nuclear weapons and it's like okay what if these people just what if it was a free-for-all they the the entire again global planetary system fails there are questions we can start tabling we, we have no answers for them but but now it's like we have this echoing truth we can start piecing in a larger picture when we say, okay, well, these gods uh, were fighting, they were using nuclear weapons. Well, what if they came out as a bit of a free-for-all as far as recollecting ancient lost technology? What What if they were underground, separated unintentionally for 100 years? What if they couldn't, what if they chose not to come back to the surface? It just wasn't conducive enough for them to or do extensive trips beyond the shelters that they survived in after a mass cataclysm and dynastic peoples the egyptians the mayans the aztecs they they took the toltex Toltecs, Toltecs, you know fill in the blank all of them uh uh kurgans i just all of them take over uh they come they have a ready-made city it's it's been clear that the egyptians the greeks the Greeks said it too. Who built this? The, well, the gods built this before we made the Temple of Delphi. And will we just build on top of it? And the reuse by Egyptians, by the Aztecs, the restacking. I mean, I have 20 years in construction and building and historical remodeling, which is a joke compared to stuff that's hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or gosh knows how long, even 6000 BC. And you. And again, the lower you go, it's just a joke at this point. The lower you go in Egypt, the more advanced the construction is. Right. Not until finally
1: you get a thatched roof on top of these amazing structures.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love looking at Gobekli Tepe where you have single column Uh, in turkey for everyone and there's more than one tepe but they're five percent dug up they have columns that are 25 feet tall or more and then they got river rock stacked between them so clearly not the same culture and then i love the artist interpretations where yet again how do you finish all polygonal construction of everywhere around the world even though it's razor cut and fits together on like sometimes 15 or 20 sides to 800 or 300 or 100 tons these are complex fittings and apparently they didn't know how to do anything with wood so you just got a log with a thatched roof that's 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 your natural history museum and how do you get that out of your head how do you get that out of your head when we are open to the ideas and star trek and leonard nimoy and and in and, and in search of comes along and then suddenly it's like yeah, it, th- this, this seems like it could be aliens because, well, wait, there's polygonal construction on Easter Island, Mr. Leonard Nimoy. And not that he's saying there isn't, but you have polygonal construction. And the and the most sacred thing on, uh, rapid, on Easter Island is a stone sphere. And the stone spheres are found all over the Earth. And, and again, dynastically... Uh, And what we think about in the last few thousand years, it's very, very hard for us to break from that association with saying, well, you know, the Anunnaki modified humans. It's like, no, Sitchin said that. Oh, no, no, no. It's in other documents. No, it's not. It's Sitchin. Sitchin, Sitchin, Sitchin. There is no documentation within the cuneiform tablets that say they modified humans. They say humans were helpers. Well, it was interpreted. Well, it was off of this cylinder seal. Well, it's like, you know, it's like looking at that black and white ink image of do you see the old lady or the young lady? You know which it right. What do you say right? You you you. And again, I don't want to be everyone's starting with an origin of why they have the filters they do. But if we just start tabling the facts, and the problem is everyone's banging on. I call it the blinky box. So if you bang on the left, you get an orange light. You bang on the right, you get a red light. God forbid, for a hundred or a thousand years, you get sixty percent correct uh, predictions, and then somebody comes along and says, Why are you banging on the control panel of a seven forty seven? That's a plane. It flies, and. Then you got half the people saying "burn the heretic," and the other people like, "oh, cool, maybe." And <laughs> the the thing is, we're getting yeah, we're getting this reaction from our what we're calling paranormal and what we're calling maybe this esoteric uh, crystal tech. You know, like we're we're having these dream states, we're having these abilities like Wim Hof, and who I got to meet and train with. I was I was at his first training in the United States the first time he came. I've been doing it for over three years, and the. The, to reactivate these superhuman abilities, it's exactly what Wim says, and it, and it sounds like you've talked to him, where he's like, you know, he I won't say it for the radio, but he says, uh, expletive, demystify. And he's like, just demystify, because you have an ability that you forgot you had. We all have this ability. We can all do this. But we label it, and we mystify it, and we worship it. And, you know, you put thousand people doing yoga at chernobyl well that's a thing if you do it for a thousand years but it's still chernobyl so if you want to walk around and celebrate the summer solstice at stonehenge god bless you do it but you're also doing something that was very valid and a a thing that was part of a culture maybe in the last 1000 2000 3000 years but is the larger henge that's almost two miles in diameter the source for the original stones was it restacked by a a post diluvian society. And part of it is admitting that when you have a giant stone construction, whether it's Gobekli Tepe or in Egypt, and you go down to the Assyrian, you know, and then you see them finishing it with people in loincloths and again, whole tree trunks and thatched roofs. Uh, how do you not get a curveball in your mindset as you look at this stuff? So part of it is let's break the paradigms. And again, just table the facts. The the odd things from the schist disc to the P Rees map, like you mentioned at the beginning like map of the Sea Kings. There's lots of maps that don't add up. And on the P Rees map, it always gets pointed out. Well, there's the unfettered coastline that's at least eight or nine thousand years ago that has no ice on it. What often doesn't get pointed out, uh Graham Hancock does a number of a number of uh researchers that stay at it, the Mercator projections, the longitude is Accurate to the point on the pre reese map, they shouldn't. the The math to do that. This is a map in 1516. Okay, the map yeah, shouldn't Just exist. hold on, because this is going to take a little bit to unfurl
1: here. So let's. Sure. Uh, I want to give you a, a little bit more runway. We'll uh, we're going to head into a break here, and um, I, yeah, I want to spend a little bit more time on these maps just so we understand what you're referring to, Jared Murphy is with us. And uh, we'll uh, continue this on into the second hour. And let me give you the phone numbers now so that you can get ready with questions and comments. Four one six. 360 0740 that's in the greater Toronto area 416 360 0740 and toll free from just about anywhere 1-866 740 4740 1-866 740 4740 back with more of The Conspiracy Show don't go away
0: live from Toronto Canada Earth The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. On Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck,
1: RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with the semi-electric fireplace and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate in your cabin in the woods. Hello to everyone listening in on our flagship station, AM 740 and 96.7 FM. Zoomer Radio here in Toronto. And hiya to those of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hey there to those streaming us live on zoomerradio.ca. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. And just a reminder, we are not live streaming on my YouTube channel tonight. I'm in YouTube jail for a week. Well, until Tuesday. Last week's show with Joseph Farrell was taken down. Uh, I'm in violation of YouTube's community standards with regards to spreading medical misinformation. Excuse me, which, uh, quite frankly, is kind of a badge of honor. Anyway, the uh, that stream no longer available on YouTube, so we've moved it over to my my channel on Rumble. So I strongly urge you to check out that uh, if you missed the live show last week, go to Rumble.com, search under Channels Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, and then be sure to share it with everyone. Uh, and also be sure to catch me on coast to coast AM this coming Saturday, June the 5th. Uh, and if you're listening in the, in the central or Eastern time zone, that would actually technically be Sunday, June 6th, or very early in the morning, uh, Hollywood screenwriter Steven D'Souza will be my guest in the first half. Uh, and if you, you know, if you went to the movies in the eighties, like I did a lot and you remember, uh, die, um, die. Blockbuster movies like Die Hard and 48 Hours and Commando and Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Well, that's a little bit later, but uh, anyway, Stephen D'Souza uh, is the screenwriter responsible for all of those fantastic movies. So you can go to coasttocoastam.com for more information. All right, Jared Murphy stays with us this hour. It's not aliens, worse, it's us discovering our lost history. And again, phone lines open at 416 360. 0740 in the greater Toronto area 416-360-0740 and toll free from just about anywhere 866-740-4740 866-740-4740 jared is a a self-experimenter field researcher of ancient technologies and lost history he's uh, traveled the world searching for evidence of advanced ancestors and high technology and again, his book is "It's not aliens. It's us discovering our lost history." So you were you were mentioning these maps. So we yeah. have these these maps uh, which um, well, well, t- tell me, where first of all, where did we find these maps? and what 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 do they depict?
2: So we have um, you know, the u s. Air Force and um, some retired group looking at, the P. Reis reese map, Admiral Reis, he's kind of like a Turkish version of uh, our George Washington a bit. He's very famous within Turkey's borders. But in 1516, uh, there's a map made, and it's a map actually of the entire world. But then there's a section that gets ripped off, which we are now calling the P. Reis reese map that we know of. On the map, it shows what appears to be South America, a little bit of Africa, and it has a bunch of notes and a bunch of writing on it, and... It has what appears to be the non-kilometer-deep covered section of Antarctica. And we weren't even able to prove that out until we could do um, seismic surveys. And and we had other—it took into the 60s, to be sure. And people kind of get stuck on that, where they look at this map and say, how is it— On the P. Reese Reese map, it's it's been talked about a bunch in that, oh, you know, it says, well, this is a map made of a bunch of maps. Well, we had a bunch of old maps and we needed to consolidate it. And no matter what your religion is, everyone wants, for some reason, their trade routes to not be interrupted on the ocean. And they want their military to not crash up their ships. So no matter what your thoughts are on the technology of maps, it escapes being edited by people who think it's a technology, in this particular case, a technology that should not be known. So the trump card for not destroying this is that no one wants their ship to run into stuff. So you need longitude, latitude, and there's a lot of different neat history things about sailing. And in this particular case, it longitude's a hard thing to project. You know, it's the earth is round and lines that you, you know, as you shape a line in a curve for you to have an accurate longitude. It's 1516, you have this map, and it's, it took to like 1575 till they could do math that would help create accurate projections. But here's a map that not only shows the entire, this whole section of Antarctica with some, you know, kind of rivers and streams and mountain terrain that is still currently to this day under ice it's showing and what and certainly was in 1516 as well oh yeah and 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 so there's no way it's like so if this is a map of a map of a bunch of maps and you guys are literally writing that on there uh okay so then where where did you get your maps and does it you know and everyone thinks of the great Alexandria library but the the Chinese had great libraries. the Greeks had great libraries. all of them miraculously burned the the system's the same I mean we could do a whole show on the conspiracy of burning libraries and you know Gregorian monks saying well this isn't how it went it went like this I mean a lot of what we credit uh, for instance as I'm doing my research are a huge sickening I had this naive thought growing up that of course all the original documentations, like whatever Greek manuscripts survived, thank God, uh, there were people who've always cared about history. And then I, and then as of course you dig in and you find out, oh wait, these are copies of copies, and a lot of it was done by monks, and they literally would write not just for biblical translations, but they would say, well, this isn't how this story went, and they would, or they would erase whole, uh, getting parchment or skins to write on were difficult sometimes. So they would erase. And there's a lot of techniques that we've seen in the last 30 years where they're using, uh, because of the lead and the other surfaces, they've been able to scan and see the prior writings. But we actually don't have any of the orig- original writings from Solon or Plato or Socrates. We take it for granted that they're original writings, but they're not. They're hundreds of years or even a thousand years or so newer than the original... It, right. In other words, our, is. our history is is very, very, very redacted. <laughs> oh gosh, man, you were dead on. That's it's so sad. And so for this map to exist, because again, nobody likes to crash a ship, nobody likes to build new ships, everyone wants their tea and or salt and or pepper, and you have to have accurate sailing maps. So if you got a map that can help you navigate. You're not going to get rid of it just because you're going to burn in some, you know, uh, idol of ball and fill in the blank. And so these maps survived uh, first and foremost because they were valuable for travel. So here we are with the unfettered coastline of Antarctica, accurate longitude. And that's odd, right? You, like, how do you again at a minimum? for everyone to get their head around this 8 to 9000 years ago is the earliest time frame that this section and and again it's not like we've done a ton of core sampling so we don't really know this for sure but the general estimate is this section of Antarctica definitely didn't have ice on it about 8 or 9000 years ago and i think i think we've discussed doggerland a little bit and and i want to give people a snapshot of the world so it's even 6000 years ago so, Doggerland is, yeah. is is that where the English Channel
1: now is, the, the, yeah, connecting all Great
2: Scotland, Great yep. Britain,
1: and Scotland all the way over into the continent
2: yep. of Europe, and was, and was on one, a Dano- Oh, go ahead. Sorry,
1: no, no. i was just going to say that was it was one landmass,
2: right? Yes, rivers, valleys, uh, people living there, people living on the coast, and more. Most importantly, that we currently are doing nuclear sedimentary this is stuff that's been under sea salt water for at least to eight thousand, you know years and they're discovering i mean there are current articles and again call it nanoarchaeology but they're discovering the flora and fauna of doggerland but you have to think we have a map of a world that includes antarctica with rivers and streams and mountains that there's no ice meanwhile and that's eight thousand years ago, but six thousand years ago, North there there's more and more science that's saying, you know, it looks like North Africa was very vegetative; it was not a desert, even before it was. Sometime before the Sphinx was, you know, it's like definitely older than the pyramids, and that it was at the end of the last ice age. I remember shows in the '90s, you know, they were going at it like thirty-six thousand years ago, and what have you. But Doggerland, portions of it, were still above water. Off of France, the whole area where you start hitting eight and nine thousand years ago with that map, with North Africa being uh, at the earliest. Solon, the Greek, is spoke with you know Egyptian priests and historians, and they said you know the Nile, uh, well, what they're calling the Nile, there's those super lakes that are in northern Africa, and it went east west or you know west east. It was not a north south south north. It was a across the top of Africa. And I have a map, took, took two years of research to put a map together in my book, which is currently, again, under a revision. So I got non I have a member area, all of it's there. And it, this map includes what the rivers and what the lands would have looked like. And that's the missing, we just joked about in the past for review for everyone. We have loincloth, rock banging, very complex stone building. They don't know how to do anything with wood. But on top of it, they have very advanced maps, they have very advanced sciences, and we have elongated skulled humans that no one's genetically tested ever, yet we know there's a mystery 14% human race along with Denisovan and Neanderthal dating 50,000, 60,000 years ago at a minimum. Millions of years of untold history, but here we are with Doggerland as just one location where I mentioned a city off the coast of Cuba That is 2,300 feet deep. It was found by uh, basically people looking for Spanish uh, galleons and gold. And they find a city that looks pyramidal in shape. It's likely polygonal, at least from the very distant, almost Mars rover-like distant images. And it could not have been above water. There, There are some theories about how it could have been sooner, but the truth is it likely wasn't above water less than fifty to 60,000 years ago. And if we look at the map of the world, that would include someone using a map that has no ice in Antarctica. So there's just another layer here where there are coastline after coastline of cities and metropolises, simple people, Neolithic, Eolithic, you know, simple, you know, very basic, literally rock banging rocks to make tools. That's an Eolith or a Neolith, and so you have very simplex human beings, but you also have very advanced human beings that know longitude very, very accurately. Uh, The Pythagorean theorem showing up in the Babylonian Plimpton tablet uh, a thousand years practically before Pythagoras ever did it. You have pi, you have Egan values being used in the constructions of the Great Pyramids and these polygonal constructions, and you have these accurate Mercator and parallels. So we're a worldwide society and we're choosing to ignore that they're very, very complex and they've been here. And the coastlines that they lived on are not the coastlines we're living on now. The greatest place everyone needs to look, it's the most dangerous, it's the most difficult, is maritime underwater marine archaeology. It's horrifying. The, the bends to everything in the ocean that wants to eat you, I mean... It's difficult work, currents. There's a million reasons why digging stuff up on the ground is, you know, so much cooler and easier. Now that we're doing sedimentary, I know we had a chance to talk about this, but I don't think it's hitting people fast enough that nuclear DNA means we don't need teeth, we don't need fingers, we need dust. So we can literally go to a city now, and as we dig it out, it's hard enough for archaeologists... I have a big critique about archaeologists spending 40 years. My, my joke example is they spent 40 years putting a vase back together at the counter that's the entrance to Disney World, but they never excavate Disney World. <laughs> and, right. right. And, and, and and that's a pro, That's problematic. However, uh, there are solutions, and I have positive solutions for that, but in the meantime, we have nano-archaeology now, so what are we supposed to do? Every layer as we go down, they found uh, that's our evening train, if you can't hear it. Lovely. Um, okay. Uh, and so now we have this uh, society that may have died, dusted, and they did nuclear DNA testing to find in a cave where there was a Denisovan event found. And they found 120 different species of animals and things that had died in that cave. Right. So in other words, this, you don't need soft tissue. No. Uh, but, you just need dust. Right, and so now we have this horrible. So you have a city uh, like in, like let's just we're just gonna go low hanging fruit here to Egypt, or 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 Incas. You have very advanced uh, technology and the constructions on the lowest level, and then you have very primitive construction up above, but now as you dig are you finding uh seismic metamaterials that help with earthquakes along with the polygonal walls uh something i'm very interested in but what as you dig are you going to do like a 3d printer are you going to take the sedimentary remnants and not just osl date we're talking about finding nuclear dna so are we talking about literally looking for atoms and finding that uh you know you're at a site in egypt that you've dug, you know, you're dealing with a square kilometer and another Egyptian team is digging uh, maybe a hundred miles, a thousand miles, a hundred feet away and you sift all the sand and we're talking about this is where we're going to really need Spintronics and quantum computing to finally come in because the data sets that we would be handling from nuclear DNA testing, which for everyone out there that doesn't think this is sexy, this is a lot like Merlin Magical, Merlin, where you are able to recreate everything that lived and died and was intrusively buried within that site. And what if there's like a half of a window of something missing and the team that's digging 100 miles away is doing their own nanonuclear and... They're, like, based on shifting sands, uh, elements, floods, catastrophe. It's a, a muddle. Layer below. It's a muddle. Right. And, but, but what if they have the other half of a window that's supposed to be on your site 100 miles away? The, the the complexities, it's super badass. So if you're looking for a field to get into, and for the mainstream academia that has stuck with this really, uh, unfortunately, backward uh My personal choice word would be generally, well, there's a lot of reasons why they are stuck. But let's just say that they shouldn't be. They should be more interested now in dusting off the bins and pulling up and say, hey, we're the university with like 20,000 boxes of unsolved. Come and join us. Uh, Join our satellite uh, archaeological program that you'll never leave this for seven years. You'll never leave this uh, particular site in Guatemala that we LIDAR scanned, and you're responsible for three pyramids out of 150 and the kilometer of super freeway around it. You know, there's so much we're finding now just with LIDAR, where we thought uh, uh, the snapshot of of total human global populations just in post-Diluvian, the last biblical flood period of 11,000 plus years— there is clearly uh, such a misnomer on the number of humans here but pre-Diluvian and in the echoes of uh, these religious texts no matter where they are in the world it shows one it's almost congruent that everyone says humans have always been here two we find it in the paleoanthropological record there's proof of it you know and then three what are we doing to understand on the nuclear not just DNA, but on the sedimentary level, like they're figuring out the flora and fauna of Doggerland in a time period when Doggerland would have been around with the P. Reese, Reese map. What are we doing to sort out that if there is terra preta, which is an engineered soil found in Brazil, it's found in North Africa, it's found in North uh, south america and there are other engineered soils these are very these are the richest growing soils on our soil. on one hand yeah, we will when we
1: come back we will get into we'll have some yeah. more time to talk about pre-engineered soils we've got about two minutes here
2: yeah and so we have a worldwide global culture that i do think collective human consciousness was at a higher level and a higher plane and these junk dna to tie back to our earlier segments is that I think the population that's supported now, this 8 billion, I think our population was much larger than it is really? now. Really? Larger than yeah. 8 billion? That's remarkable. Because uh, you mentioned the supervolcano
1: Toba uh, 75,000 years ago. Yeah. And, and after that, there was, what, maybe, at least on the surface, and we don't know
2: Chaos. below the surface, but above the surface, what, maybe 10,000 breeding pairs left? There is. So the assumption we have all these weird anomalous rock cut ruins there in the Andes down to and if you've been a society around for hundreds of thousands of years, it's like you're prepared for natural and maybe like some terrifying weapon disasters. And the reality is that you have a very screwed up super, you know, the earth itself is not in a good state after this volcano goes off. So why wouldn't Denise and Neanderthal and the right. mystery 14%. Why wouldn't they all breed together? Why wouldn't they all survive together? Why wouldn't you see... Underground. Or, or, or yeah, they're in and out of caves. I mean, you have uh, the Moon-Eyed people of the Cherokee, uh, kind of in the eastern area of the United States. Mary Joyce talks about that, and a number of yes. other people. But then, but then, uh, in the West, you have the Ant people. Yes, the guys yeah. Yep, guiding people. guiding people into rock-cut shelters. And then the problem is, is very awkwardly, we have come across rock-cut uh, ruins that do not fit with any native cultures in the United States. They are all over the world, and they clearly indicate an antiquity to a society that was always prepared for mega disasters. Well,
1: whether they survived it or not. Very quickly. Uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna save this one for uh, for when we come back. I was gonna ask you about Sasquatch and how. Yeah. It, it may fit into this. Anyway, yeah. Will, uh, speaking of a train, I don't know if I just took things off the rails there with Sasquatch, but we'll find out. <laughs> that was one long train, incidentally.
2: Uh, yeah. So I am 20 feet off the main rail yards in the Twin Cities. So I apologize to everyone. But, no, it, you know, no. I'm authentically broadcasting from my studio. <laughs> we love trains on this show. And I'm about
1: 50, maybe no, 150 yards from one of the busiest uh, Canadian national railway corridors in the country. So we uh, it, it rattles the windows from here uh, from time to time here as well. They're so Love cool trains. too.
2: Love yeah, trains. Yeah, they are. This and I'm in the Northrop King, the old Northrop King building, which is uh, where uh, it's one of the biggest seed suppliers for even to Canada. I'm in Minnesota, so it's from you know Northrop King NK. You can still find farms that still have the NK symbol. I mean, I'm sure it was bought up. Who knows how many years ago? But it's a hundred year old. This building's literally over a million square feet, four stories wow. with 450 artist lofts in it. And it's fantastic. uh, All right, Jared. It's phenomenal. We'll
1: we'll take a time out, come back, and uh, chat some more. Maybe we'll even talk more about trains. The uh, conspiracy show continues after this. Stay with us.
0: Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio.
1: And we are back with Jared Murphy, and the book is It's Not Aliens, Worse, It's Us, Discovering Our Lost History, it's not aliens.com, and also the YouTube channel, It's Not Aliens. Uh, so I, before the break, I, I wanted to ask you, and I I, um, I don't know if I've sort of derailed the discussion with this, but it, <laughs> Sasquatch, like how does Sasquatch fit into this, if at all?
2: You know, it's interesting, uh, something that doesn't ever get pointed out in Cremo's epic work is that he spends over like 180 pages on Sasquatch. And I think it's interesting because again, there's these remnant genetic anomalies, whether it's our memories and our, and other people's empathetic abilities to tap into that collective consciousness or unpack that genetic zip file and speak to someone's life and, or they, th- they may think it's theirs, but with Sasquatch, um, there's a lot of fiction, I think, with it. Uh, it fascinated me, again, dating us. I remember going to the theater and watching that documentary about Sasquatch back in the early 80s and that terrified me, you know, the uh, footage of Sasquatch walking through the woods. And it's, yes. You know, that was, I remember that. You know, if we can mix Sasquatch in with trains as we're at it, we're going to do great. I... <laughs> I think that the it's quite, you know, Abominable Snowman, it, all of it is fascinating in that the eyewitness accounts, again, come from people who don't believe in this stuff. Most of the time, there's like, look, this is not, they, you know, the, the idea of a Sasquatch-looking sort of person throwing rocks or being very strong. There's constantly a sighting by people who would not normally talk about this stuff sighting it so is it possible that they exist but why do they exist are they truly primitive are they are they guard dogs i mean in the sense that are they are they really guarding an entrance or a, a possibility of a a more advanced society and this is the early warning system like last call you know you guys hiked too far one direction uh, the the reality is that the overall idea of, again, post-Diluvian mythology, is it another race or creature running in safe mode, like, you know, chupacabra? Or here's the other problem. no, whether it's Sasquatch or anything else, actually, in all seriousness, one of the issues is uh, when you have collective human consciousness and you, man- you can manifest things. It appears like you said, it's like, well, if it's real, show me the reality is that, uh, it is possible. You know, you, we were talking about some of the other books, like the power of eight comes to mind and, the reality is that, you know, you have Sufis, you, know, you have the ancient Sufis, collective dreaming, uh, astral projecting, and you have them talking about these abilities. and Or second sight, the Romans used people that had second sight, and it was an ability to, not like the ministeric goats, they didn't, uh, the, the second sight was they could see something going on somewhere, but they weren't really there, but they've right. never been there. Or what's it, what the t- t- Tibetan monks that could uh, uh, manifest monsters? Tolmas? Um, yeah, they- Tibetan, the same methodology is where, kind of where they stayed all secretive and they too can sit cross-legged 20 below zero. They've done the infrared and they heat themselves and they can sit in 20 below and take a frozen blanket and thaw it. And they have similar meditations that keep putting them back. Again, I think what it is is it's you're banging on the blinky board. You're getting a reaction from your very, very advanced cellular system on a very, very, very broken, safe-moded computer, which, by the way, I, I happen to own the first laptop, Macintosh, uh, the first uh, Power PowerBook. I, I have that. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I have it. Those are collector's case. items. I had no you idea.
1: On a gold, you could be sitting on a gold mine. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, Tolpas is what the word I was looking oh. for, the t- Tibetan tulpas, where they could manifest these supernatural
2: monsters. Yeah. Right. And is it that they're actually projecting them or projecting them in someone's mind? I mean, if they're projecting them externally, they, I don't think it's out of line. I, I think based on the fragments of all the different things, if you just... Again, if it, whether you're going to talk paranormal or spiritual or the, a meditative practice, the reality is in this post-flood uh, and post-apocalyptic volcanic eruption world that is well within. Uh, we have this survivor advanced race that's kind of like kind of maneuvering around all of us, uh, like some of the indications at Tiwanaku and in the in the Andes that they're rebuilding again or that they're managing. But you have these. Uh, abominables, you have the Sasquatch phenomena, you, again, little people, you have giants, you have, and giants by 7, 8, 10, 12 feet, whatever, uh, you have anomalies of, and remnants uh, in post-flood times here, biblical post-flood times of what appears to be a much more again, if you have control of your genetic systems, changing height, weight, uh, abilities specializing wouldn't be a big deal like you might be able to throw on a new suit i hate to think of avatar for it but you could literally engineer the body or the ability you need and then go do the work and then return to some other format whether you look like a gray whether you look like a reptilian whether you look like whatever the assumption is well they're from somewhere else why because they look like they're from somewhere else it's the Is the Sasquatch a devolved, safe-moded, still high-functioning creature? Is it really a simple creature? Is it not? I mean, there's some odd, odd, odd sightings that all appear to be real. But there's only so many things you can say about it. There's just been no... Uh, scientific okay there yes yeti's you know they've cremo talks about it again huge section no one ever talks about this actually it's it's a great section uh, where he gets into the providence of the people who have looked at the different evidences for sasquatch yeti's fill in the blank abominable snowmen to exist and there are physical evidences and sometimes they turn out to be like parts of monkeys and sometimes they actually seem mysterious and there doesn't seem to be an explanation for it, but there's almost no research on it really. And it starts to fall in the same categories of like the practice. It's like, well, but but they're sitting right there on a shelf. What, why aren't, well, if that's supposedly an abominable or a Sasquatch fur, why don't we test it? Or, you know, and, and yes, frequently, you'll hear of stories where it gets tested, but it's a dog or it's right, a right. fox. Well, our,
1: our our family tree is just far more complex, you know, than Very I think so. or we've been led to believe. Uh, I, I do want to start this conversation now about the, uh, the engineered soil, because this is some of the greatest evidence for uh, these advanced yeah. ancient civilizations. So, You you and I have talked on the podcast, we talked on Coast to Coast, but there are people that didn't hear either of those. Yeah. So explain what engineered soils are.
2: Yeah, so uh, here I was going to write that cool fictional book about, you know, re-engineered super soldier practice, and then day three of research, which puts me into a a three-and-a-half-year research uh, cycle for this first book. Uh, I find this word about uh, Colonel Percy Fawcett and— you know, Brad Pitt played him in The Lost City of Z, and I'm like, okay, they're going to talk about ancient societies, I'm going to watch this show, and here it is, uh, this archaeologist pulls this uh, uh, just documentarian up to what it's about 8, 10 feet thick of black soil, and she goes, this is called Terra Preta, and it's the richest growing soil on Earth, and uh, well, soil scientists have looked at it for 100 years, and no one knows how to make it. Isn't that neat? Okay, let's go find Colonel Percy Fawcett and where he got lost in the jungle, and I I stopped the presses right there and went, hold on. There is, and I recalled, because I'm a paleo guy, I don't talk about that. This is a few times I have, but I remember 10 years ago, I was looking for rich growing soil, like what to grow your food in. Well, terra preta self-replicates. Yeah, so it kind of grows back. And it's not compost. It, it tends to self-replicate. It has this electromagnetic, like, communication property to it. It's... Uh, self, it cleans carbon dioxide and uh, fertilizers out of it, heavy metals, and it's all over the earth. And the exact recipe, so think uh, think a brand like Coca-Cola or Macintosh computers, except this Macintosh is in North Africa, Northern South America, and in Brazil. And they at the time, this is now four and a half years ago, they were saying, well, we think it's an area about the size of two Spains or two Great Britons. And that, that that's covered in this in this yeah. Terra Prada. Yeah. And so they, it's called a wet desert. They believe that the soil other than okay, so there's known techniques like slash and burn. You, you know, burn down the trees, like make coal and and you know, that's um and we have modern biochars, but as I started to look and read the papers, the scientific papers on Terra Preto are terrifying in this sense. Nobody thought, you know, like finding a mummy, like Tutankhamun's cool, like soil's not sexy, but soil is sexy. So for all of you listening who did not hear you and me on Coast to Coast and everything else, the truth is engineered ancient soil like Terra Preta is also found in Siberia. It's found in North America. They're also called Ternosums. And there's actually a black market for the black soil from from Ukraine and from Brazil, because people who want to grow nutrient-rich food want Terra Preta. Where your average farmer, they rotate crops, right? They... Because we deplete the nutrients. In fact, yeah, you know, but most only of like the, seventeen. I
1: mean, most of the soil that we grow in now is so depleted. We're just not getting the the. We're literally starving to death. We're eating ourselves to death, but we're starving yeah. to death because there new there are no yeah.
2: nutrients in no, it the soil. No, looks like a big red tomato. It looks like a big red tomato because they engineered it to be that. Right. But most of, the to, for instance, most of the tomatoes grown in America are grown in Florida. I learned that being paleo, not this research, and they look like big red tomatoes, but they have like zero nutritional value, and that's a problem. If you want the nutrients that are supposed to be in, it. and 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 farmers, they're like, okay, well, they learn you only need to add 17 nutrients. Well, there's a very well-known gentleman named Dr. Joe Wallach, who started pointing out that, you know, there's a lot more in Gerson, Dr. Gerson. There's a number of people throughout history in the last hundred something years that have said, look, there's 90 nutrients or 60 nutrients, at least at a minimum, you could stick in the soil, but you could also grow it aeroponically. But that aside, this engineered soil isn't, at first you're like, whoa, it's all over in places that we don't have people yet. We did those LIDAR scans in Guatemala and suddenly two and a half years ago, oh, it looks like uh, we may have underestimated South America. And, and then they say, well, we've grossly underestimated that maybe 15 or 20 million people could have lived here. Okay, and i got to jump in here, Jared. We're going to take a time. out. come
1: back and sure. we'll talk more engineered soil. Jared Murphy, back with more of the Conspiracy Show right after this.
0: Big Brother is listening, and so are you. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Okay, so we're
1: talking about engineered soil. And uh, is it possible to, to carbon date soil? Do we have an idea how old it could be?
2: Some of the bio uh, dating so so far some of the some of it's dated to six to eight thousand years old. The problem is no one's tackling it and what I was getting to right before the break was as I'm reading the papers i'm you start to learn the I'm a standard academic, and I can't say too much yet they're talking about oh the these properties need to be studied further there's these interesting anomalies there's these abilities and oh, further study will be required. And one of, one of the things that I think is found, I, and I, I think it's just not published in the peer-reviewed work, is that the oldest date I can get is 8,000 years because that's the date that no one else, you know, beyond that, you're getting way too close to the younger Dryas. No one's supposed to be there doing this. You can't have dates that I think I suspect... If they were coring and looking throughout this, we would, uh, we definitely, I think, are going to find thousands of years in age. Uh, one of the things that I know we touched on for a hot second is that if the soil is engineered, not just for growing, but also for sending and receiving or technology, like the NASCA lines, uh, the polygonal constructions, and I think this is very important, is in construction is pre compacting the soil and the walls that, are sitting on their footings are part of a soil and engineering system that is underappreciated because it's not a mummy it's not art it's not gold it's not something cool and dynastic with a with a leafed book of uh gold tablets that explain why they are or cuneiform or anything when you start talking uh nuclear dna and you start talking sexy soil people check out whereas if we have the the implications not just of Gobekli Tepe, the implications of having engineered soil that's older all around the earth. I mean, Scott Walter talked about it on America on Earth about the corn in Wisconsin being eight to 9,000 years old. Corn doesn't maintain itself. You have to maintain corn. You have to, a human being, not be no random thing in the universe makes modern corn. The corn that's in uh, research scientists between... Uh, Wisconsin and Michigan, there is corn that's been maintained for almost 9,000 years. So the age of terra preta and, more importantly, the functionality of what's called seismic metamaterials, which means whether it's a little tiny nanoparticle to a larger like golf ball or a stone sphere and how it manages the uh, waves and frequencies sending and receiving through the soil and the way it's sifted and where where trees are planted so if we've been here for millions of years let me throw something out to you that if we have petrified trees and we come across a layer in situ that shows a very particular pattern there are science that there there's a group in europe that has already determined that the towers the old towers of bologna italy that have fallen that if they were all up the originals, there's over 400. That they would create earthquake-safe zones, and they go on to speculate that you could do the same thing with trees, and you could do the same thing with soil. And they did. They plugged soil. They just basically did giant 50-foot uh, tube uh, spaces, and they by creating this like kind of connect for cheese grid, Swiss cheesing the ground, and also changing up the soil content. You're dealing with Right now, uh, a society that was definitely doing, I don't think just terra preta, but using seismic metamaterials from not just obvious ones like stone spheres, small and big, but I think they were using the soil. So the way we need to, to, avert, this, to avert an earthquake, in other words, and and, and 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 communications. So there's piezoelectric properties. So it's you're yeah, not we have just, to talk about the piezoelectric yeah, properties of the soil. Um, I think we're
1: almost uh, up for a break here. This was a short yeah. segment. So, yeah, piezoelectric uh, qualities or characteristics in this engineered soil. And you mentioned All these spheres, things. and Cremo talks about these these spheres. I don't know if we're talking about the same types, but these are the these, you know, perfectly perfect spheres with these uh, two parallel lines that run around the equator. Are those the same spheres we're talking about? Those are
2: different. Those are the oldest known man made objects on Earth. Those are the Kirkstorp spheres. I got to see those in South Africa. Those are uh, others. They don't even know how many. They're still finding them. And they're two and a half to three and a half billion years old. Right. And obviously engineered, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. They have exactly what you said parallel lines. There's nothing in nature that. There's some cool concretions. They th- they try to say, oh, you know, nature just made it. But there can be two or three lines on Klerkstorff spheres, and they're made out of multiple uh, materials. And again, no one's material tested them, but there's no way they were made by nature. Right, and found in strata that's too... Like billions three-ish. of years old. All right, yeah. uh, Jared. One final
1: timeout. We'll come back and uh, finish up. Jared Murphy. Uh, it's not aliens. Worse, it's us discovering our lost history. Stay with us.
0: PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers 416 360 0740, or toll free at 1 866 740 4740.
1: All right. I just want to uh, drill down a little bit on uh, the piezoelectric characteristics of this engineered soil, and then we'll get to uh, Skip, who's on the line from Connecticut. So what does that mean, piezoelectric?
2: So Uh, it's it's holding current, and it would mean that you could send a uh, low-level current if you didn't want to electrocute everybody standing on the ground, or through a power line, you could be sending... Uh, Signals. You could be sending communication. You could be sending basically your cable television and fiber optics could just be a matter of connective energies and frequencies. So you're canceling on one level uh, earthquakes with the combination of the soils, your constructions, the way you're engineering and terraforming the planet. Uh, But through the soil itself, it's connecting to these. The buildings are always high in quartz they're always building with basalt and quartzites and they're dealing with the same components that are in uh, basically our phones or our computers. They're always dealing, the buildings themselves are, you know, the joke is one day, you know, somebody will walk up with the uh, flash drive or, you know, it'll connect and they'll be able to play the music or something from some of these big advanced ancient buildings, but they have keystone cuts. And they matter because they seem to be metal connecting points. Like, why are you increasing... Why do you need metal in between 800, 100-ton stones that aren't going to move anywhere because they've been so put together with, like, 20 sides? Why would they need metal? Oh, okay, let's look at the the obvious. So they're connected with quartz. They're connected with um, a current-inducing uh, a suite of current receiving, friendly to frequency and waves. So on one hand, if there is a certain frequency at a certain level, uh, so many kilometers down and under and over in the Earth, well, as that earthquake happens at that theoretical tectonic plate, then, well, this building is going to move. And again, we're assuming that these giant polygonal constructions that, well, they could move 800-ton blocks. How hard is it for them to move a 60-foot a diameter? Uh, sequoia or redwood, how hard would it be for them to build a multi-story building on, with materials that are long since gone so we're, we're only looking at the polygonal remnants of the base and that soil, if you're walking along and 100% conscious and you have your synesthesias, you have these uh, different abilities where why with the odd ocular nerve endings in the pineal gland, the idea that the the religious, the spiritual idea of a third eye might be just the remnant sliver of truth of the fact that you could through the soil itself sense or concentrate or focus on not these junk genes, but on various individuals and you could send and receive without needing an external device like a phone or a brain implant from Tesla that you would be able to connect to the greater surrounding because you were aware of it. And this is something that would be very easy to do if you're barefoot. We already know that barefoot running, you know, you have Christopher McDougall writing Born to Run, and it made everybody wearing five-finger shoes popular. Not going to lie, I got a pair. (laughs) But I also do a lot of, I do barefoot running. I do barefoot, well, not mm, hiking, I climb. And so the idea is, uh what what would what, happen if we would to run on barefoot on the engineered soil yeah so right now the minute you cut con- it doesn't even matter if you're on concrete if you go barefoot there's an electron exchange. how hard is it for a group of people who are managing i think intentionally here's the thing not randomly they're intentionally programming our genome they're intentionally programming for customization of jobs they're terraforming the planet so to connect to the planet like Wait, we already have all this soil under us and we're making more of it. And it's not just black earth. In this case, Terra Preta is specifically the black earth that was then used by later survivor cultures for growing things. But we're not looking at specifically outside of, I mentioned chernosums, but there are other soils that don't specifically grow things in, like the uh platforms or the uh, foundational materials of these megalithic constructions. We literally don't know what they're sitting on. And just to pre-compact the soil and to get it all set and the way they're being done, it's not just about having a straight wall that also can deal with earthquakes. It's how are you mindfully managing a building that has all the connective elements needed for you to send a signal to it or through it or touch it or do it through the ground for you to receive it. And directly visualize it with now dormant superhuman abilities and these are not a big stretch i'm we're, we're just talking to the surface all right i, I want to grab a call here skip is in connecticut skip welcome yeah hi jerry hey uh, how are you t- yeah two quick things uh one would be the volcanic ash deposits uh, of a soil as they affect soil would they be uniform or vary and then the uh as possible on lost arts. Uh, you've had some guy that uh, I believe cl- client recently climbed Mount Everest, or at least part of it, in gym shorts. Uh,
0: and uh, you had that coral castle guy that seemed to tap into something to, to build those coral castles. Could that be a lost art as well?
2: Yeah, the uh, I'll go in reverse. The Coral Castle guy, I actually got to go there for the first time just a couple of years ago, so I've seen it, and I, I can only say that from the YouTube video that speculated based on his former logging abilities, and some of the devices on hand, because I know the big the urban myth is uh, cone-shaped tools that he was floating the blocks in place. I mean, what he did alone was monumental, and he was a real tiny little guy. I stood next to the cardboard cutout of him because people don't realize what a tiny man he was, and he's moving these uh, multi-ton, 100-ton, 200-ton. I mean, it's incredible what he moved, but it appears to be quite logically movable, but very much in a solid current example of what a logger could do and how a logger could fulcrum or move large trees or heavy objects. I think his skill set that he learned as a logger allowed him to do Coral Castle, including on his own, with technology that just isn't remembered from the turn of the century loggers. Uh, And that's, I I, I know I have to go fast, but I talk about Victor Schauberger, the naturalist, who's also really a quantum uh, theorist. He got logs. The whole reason we have log shoots uh, is that there is a tenth of a degree difference in water. Water has really weird properties, but Victor Schauberger figured out that to float logs, that you needed a tenth of a degree difference that although the logs were heavier than the water, the water at a particular temperature would float the logs down the chutes. And this man figured this out by observing nature, and it's really a, a, a quantum thing. And then for uh, uh, the soil, the, the it's the modern uh, commercial equipment is biochars. And we make them. So, like, if you and I are going to open an apple farm, we can get a biochar that has like a certain amount of uh, compost that's been burned and wood that's been burned that creates a element that's good for the soil and for a particular thing. But the elements that they're using for ancient biochars, am I totally answering that question, by the way? What am I? Richard am I... I think so. Well, the other one he had, yeah. But he also was asking he's... about uh, uh, was it Vim Hof that climbed Everest in his yes. shorts? Yeah, yes. he did. Well, and he okay. didn't. Yeah, he, he didn't go all the way up. But I also I got his Inner Fire book, and I will say that he went part way up. And the, uh, he had actually run 13 miles in the 20 below weather and had blackened his toes six months prior. And he almost had to cancel the whole trip. And what's epic about that is the Sherpas, they don't spend time with anyone. They don't spend time with Westerners. When Wim Hof did what he did, the Sherpas actually took him back to their village and actually hung out with them. And he actually overcame a physiological response that his body had six months earlier when he had priorly blackened his toes. And he essentially cured them through meditation and an application of, uh, it's more like an utter cream for cows, but he actually, uh, recovered from that still made the Everest trip, still climbed a significant portion, uh, past base camp and did it, a, quite spectacularly. And th- those abilities are not unique. We can all do that. And it's, and it's been very helpful for people with, from cancers to disabilities to um, anxieties. I mean, there's simple stress-relieving things that the Wim Hof thing does. But I can tell you from experience, there's also a meditative quality that I can say plugs you in like the Great Pyramid is connected in that base carve-out of granite that it's sitting in, and its foundations. Right. Like Skip, thank you Skip, thank you for that. Well, Jared, we are
1: winding down here. Again, the uh, website is it's not aliens.com, uh, and it's, not Notaliens.com. Just not, not aliens. Sorry. Notaliens.com. Notaliens.com. Uh, uh, and also the YouTube channel, Not Aliens.
2: And Rockfin. I'm actually on Rockfin. I had the same problem you did with people banning stuff, so I'm on YouTube. But it's the same thing. You know, if you say the wrong thing, you end up in naughty YouTube timeout. So I'm on Rockfin also. Uh, All right. Terrific. And uh,
1: what a delight. I don't know where those two hours went. I guess with the train. Jared, uh, thank you so much. And we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. I hope
2: I can't wait. And yeah, we can keep drilling into this deeper and better for everyone. So I appreciate everyone's time. And you have me on again. It was a great time. All right. Jared Murphy.
1: All right, that's it for me. My thanks to uh, Carlos and Ryan back next week. Uh, who's up? I think it might be Joshua P. Warren. I'll have to look at the schedule. But uh, if not, uh, Joshua, it'll be someone uh, brilliant. We always bring you the best. All right. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home or at least up the stairs. Good night.